Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. In this podcast, we hope that you get the opportunity to connect with other homeschoolers for encouragement, tips, and fellowship. Like Sunlight's curriculum offerings, we explore homeschooling through the lens of a literature-rich, Christ-centered education. Join us on this adventure. Sometimes people love to read, but the rest of language arts isn't their favorite thing. Writing can be especially challenging to do, let alone teach. So today we are going to explain just how easy teaching writing with Sunlight Language Arts can be. I am Sunny, Sunlight's community manager and a Sunlight mom of two children who have been educated entirely with Sunlight and Sunlight's language arts. And I'm excited to talk to you about that today. Joining me now are Sheila and Rhonda. Sheila, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Uh, we started homeschooling when my oldest was in kindergarten, and I have three kids, and I am now a retired homeschool mom. So we have used sun, sunlight throughout our homeschooling career, um, and they are all graduated from college and moved on. Well, thank you for being here. Rhonda, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, I am a mom of five homeschooled kiddos with sunlight, and they are all indeed also graduated and doing great. And I exclusively pretty much use sunlight once I found it. And, um, and you know what? I'm still involved because I have grandchildren being um, educated with sunlight. So that's really cool. And then I've been uh, using sunlight language arts and writing skills in a co-op situation for junior high and high school. So even though I'm retired, not totally. <laughs> Semi-retired, Sunlight Mom, right? Semi. <laughs> My own children. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and talk about Sunlight's language arts. For somebody who's new and, and doesn't know anything about Sunlight's language arts, how do we teach, especially in the early grades, when kids are learning to write for the first time, how does Sunlight do that? Well, I would say that just the entire setup of Sunlight itself, the fact that you, you're reading to your child, they're reading good language, they're hearing good language, all those things. That is the start of the writing process and that continues for a lifetime. And just the very fact that we read entire novels and things like that, my, one of my favorite things to say is writing is thinking and you have to be able to think to write. And if you don't feed your child good pieces of literature and aren't speaking to them and things like that, it's difficult for them to write. It's like telling your child that you've not fed for three weeks. Child, go outside and you run three marathons and you've not even fed them. And so it's that feeding process. It's a, it's a long-term process. We're definitely not a quick, quick fix situation. It's we're using good language to teach good language writing skills, essentially. And for more detailed process, we use the fact that we do the copy work. And the copy work is, again, what, they're, what you're doing with your child is they've just read that piece of writing, and then they're looking at it and analyzing it and doing new activities with it. And they're learning all the skills that they need to then start writing independently. And we even support that so well. And so there's there's more details, but I'll let Sheila take it from here. How's that, Sheila? Because I've talked a lot. 
I, I like to emphasize the fact that language arts um, has multiple pieces to it. So whereas math is just math, um, well, I guess, I guess there are components to math as well, right? There's computation that you, you have to learn different uh, pieces to, but it's all enveloped in um, a topic called math. And it's the same with language arts. And so um, writing is only one piece of the language arts, but it is, um, it is prefaced by re reading. So we expose our kids to really good literature because they can catch a lot of writing by re reading. So if you know, notice when your kids are with friends or even I with my husband, I spend a lot of time with my husband and I find that I pick up some of his, the ways that he says things. Um, my dad has a lot of really quirky ways of saying things, you know, sayings, and my kids have picked up on the way my dad will say things. So a lot of, a lot of our language is caught um, just by sheer exposure. So when we expose our kids to good writing through re reading, they are building a vocabulary. They are building a pattern of good write writing. So yeah, so when we do copy work, there is method to, to, to that. There is a reason that we do copy work. We are exposing our kids to good write writing. They are copying really well-written sentences and in exposing them to that we can then talk about the components of the right writing so we can break down good sentence structure a sentence begins with a capital letter it has to have a subject and a verb it has to have ending punctuation and we can talk through those components through the copywork that they do when kids do the copywork um what, you know, what, what is my role in that? So I want to, to see if they were able to copy it exactly as it was written. So if they are using a capital letter in the middle of a sentence when it's not a proper noun, when it's not the name of some something, then I can point out to them like, no, we don't capitalize the word at unless it's the very beginning of the sentence. And we can talk about that. Um, I double check to make sure that they that they are spelling it exactly the same because they are copying it. They're not relying on their memory. They should be able to copy it. Um, I also like to connect the dots for my kids that when the Bible was passed down to us, it was hand copied over and over and over again until the printing press came out. And so it is imperative that the writers of the Bible, when they were copying the, you know, a, a scroll, that they would copy it exactly. So it is my child's job to copy it exactly. And when they don't, then we talk through what is wrong with what their copy work is. But I love the progression. It's a very nat natural progression of teaching writing teaching re reading. It, it is phonics based. So we do teach the letter sounds, not just what the letters look like. And we do teach blends and all those things. It is a very controlled progression. Um, and I love that it uses real books as the copy work material. So it's not just arbitrary sent sentences, it's something that they've been exposed to because it's coming from their reader that they are re-reading. And then, so it starts with just 
letter acquisition and then word acquisition and then short sentences and then multiple sentences. And then we teach paragraph write, writing using a really um, creative approach. And then once we once a child knows how to, to compose a well-constructed paragraph with a topic sentence, three supporting points and a conclusion, then from that point on, they are learning how to write multiple par paragraphs and it just keeps going. Yeah, and I, I love it. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, so the copy work and, and Sheila did just a beautiful job of explaining the details of that. And meanwhile, back at the ranch, while we're doing that good language with copy work every day with real books, then the other thing we're doing is we're doing creative expression also. And that's the part where the child will, you'll get some sort of prompt and they will give you an one day, typically the way it's outlined in the, in the language arts is that typically you will do a brainstorming day. And I, the thing to remember here is that Sunlight's goal is to have your child writing like every day. And so that it becomes second nature, not like, oh my gosh, it's writing day. Just that it's a little bit every day. And if you're in there with them and you're helping them brainstorm, there's nothing wrong with when they're littles to be writing for them and to, and to, and to say to them and then read back to them. Don't, don't like take the tactic of like, oh, let me adultize this or let me fix it. Write exactly what they said and then go back and read it to them and say, is that what you wanted to say? Did you want to say anything different so that they're hearing their own language and you're starting that editing process even with the littles eventually i would definitely say partnering with them as long as you can is so paramount because none of us likes to work kind of in a vacuum some of us are more you know introverted than others but it's always good to have somebody reflecting with us and to um notice maybe the progress that we've made. And it can be as simple as, oh my goodness, I see what you did. You left a space between each word. That's amazing. I can, I can, I can tell which word says what. And so you're just celebrating those little things. And there's such a fun day to be able to do that brainstorming. And that's all you do for that day, just maybe 10, 15 minutes then the next day they're going to have them write a little bit and you can partner with them they can do it all themselves just depending on where they are and then then the next day will be perhaps editing that but you never want it to make it be that it ends up an whole day event of whatever the thing is if you're struggling if there's a struggle you just give it 10 15 minutes and move on and repeat, go back another day. And I think the most encouraging thing I can say is I know it's hard when you're in the trenches every single day, but let me encourage you to look back at progress, not even from two weeks ago. Think about six months ago and where you were and or a year ago. And that is such, such a better picture of what it will be like. And then the other thing to do is when your child does write something and you celebrate it, um, it's so good to send that writing to, you know, grandma or her auntie, whoever it is, so that they get comment 
on their writing and that it's celebrated with them. And that'll make it more enjoyable. The, the more fun you can have, obviously, the more likely somebody's going to want to repeat that process. Yeah, I love everything you said. You've described it so well. I mean, I think when my kids first started with Sunlight, I didn't really know how to teach them how to do anything yet. But the instructor's guides really do make it so easy to know and it builds on each other so gradually that, you know, you might start with a very short sentence and all they're focused on is you capitalize the first letter and then as they get longer okay there's periods at the end of some sentences exclamation points at the end of others and quotation marks and all of that as the kid moves along um, and you both mentioned when you read that great literature your kids vocabularies really take off I mean I love talking to little sunlight kids because they have these excellent vocabularies um, Rhonda you already alluded to it and I know right now my son is in second grade and so I still act as his scribe on all of the creative expression because his thoughts are so big and they go so fast that right. he's not at the writing level yet to actually you know how do I spell that word while I'm trying to write that and those types of things so what are some solutions for those kids that yeah they have all the ideas but they can't actually physically write it quite yet or you know it still takes them a while to sound out the words um you know or maybe they're at the level where they can spell everything but writing is hard for them to keep up with those thoughts so what are some ideas for kind of that middle transitional period where they can read and they can kind of write but their ideas are still a lot bigger than what their skill level is i would definitely give them paper depending on how little they are but paper that like lined paper and maybe a whole sheet of lined paper and let them learn how to um like give them the i guess space and the room that it doesn't have to be perfect and teach them to maybe write each each sentence or idea filling like every other line. And so that way you're like, it's fine. This is our first draft. First drafts always look like this. First draft, you know, and just let that be okay and tell them not to stress over it, to just move along. Also, it can be transitional too if you're maybe taking turns writing the sentences, that would be a great way to just kind of, um, you know, tiptoe out the back door with your child where maybe you were fully scribing to maybe every other sentence to maybe you just start and maybe you end with them. That's what I would do is just kind of tiptoe out that, out that door. And I think the idea too of this is, this is first draft, be brave, just go. And then it's even fun if you wanted to. I mean, you can always find pictures of people's or your own work of, you know, big scratch out. Like it, it's not a perfection thing. In other words, like that's for later. That's for when we go back and we edit. We're just, we're just getting the ideas down. And that would be my biggest thing is, is it's always about content. It's always about ideas that book learning of how to write a, a word with the correct spelling and those kinds of things. In a way, that's the easy part. It's getting that content, those ideas. And if, if your child has that, count that a huge win. Because that's the, that's the fabulous part. And that's hard, that's harder, that's more difficult. And that's why we read and speak and do all the things for, for our child. So that's what I would say is just transition, kind of sneak out, sneak out. A little bit. 
in my case, um, my oldest and my youngest are both dyslexic. So when we first started homeschooling, I didn't know. I didn't know we were de dealing with that. Um, and so I had read somewhere to act as your child's scribe. And so we did that for a long time because handwriting was painful for my son, like actually writing the stories out. So in third grade, I was like, okay, well, this is getting to be old. So I taught my third grader to type. I wanted him to learn how to type, type, not peck, you know, hunt and peck. And so we started a typing program. And I tell you, once he could type, his writing took off because before when he was having to write out his story, um, when I was tired of scribing for him, I felt like he was eight years old and he should be able to write his own stories. Um, so when I was making him write his own stories, he would, the bare minimum, the, you know, sentence verb, sentence verb, no, no adjectives, no adverbs, no prepositional phrases, nothing. It was the dog barked. That's it. Once he learned to type, oh my, you know, the yellow lab barked loud, loudly at while he chased down the rock. I mean, just the writing took off because now it wasn't like, what is the least amount that I can do because my hand hurts or I can't form the letters, you know, I'm convinced that dyslexia and dysgraphia is somehow connected because the reversals and all that stuff, but that's not scientific. So he would do anything he could to get out of write, writing until he learned to type. So I would say, if you have a child who is very, very reluctant in the actual writing piece, teach that child to type or yeah. don't be afraid to be that child's scribe. You know, you sit at the computer and let him dictate to you what his story, stories are. And then he is released from the agony of learning, you know, of actually forming the words. Um, that's my other tip too, is that when you're trying to figure out how to grade, you need to name what matters in that piece right now. So if you are grading spelling, then spelling is the piece that mat matters and handwriting does not. If you're grading handwriting, then that's the piece that mat matters and um, composition does not, or, you know, original thought or whatever does not like think about what the assignment is. And that is the piece that you're grading to make sure it's okay. When they are writing creatively, when they're writing, when they're asked to write a story or they're asked to do a recollection, you know, recall it a time when you blah, 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 blah. That is the piece that is getting graded, not the handwriting, not the penmanship, not the spelling, not the letter formation, none of that, their original thought and how, you know, how they're putting it together and their choice of words and those kind, kinds of things. Now, once you get that down on paper, whether you let them type or whether you write it for them or they write it for themselves, then you can go back and edit. And editing is every writer, right? Like the biggest writer, Stephen King, um, Agatha Christie, like all the biggest writers have an editor. Everybody needs an editor. No one can fix all of their own problems themselves. They can self-edit, they can catch things. Um, I always encourage my students when I taught a writing class to read their papers out loud because when they read it out loud, they will hear mistakes that they wouldn't catch because they know what they wanna say. And so they can, th their mind will fix it. But if they're reading it out loud, their ear will hear it. Wait, that, that doesn't sound right. That subject verb agreement isn't right. Or, oh no, I need an L-Y on that, you know, that's. That's an adverb. I need to add an L-Y or whatever.
So when they read it out loud to, the, to themselves, they will often catch their own mistakes um, and they need time away from their writing. So if they write it and then you ask them to fix it right away, bless you, um, <laughs> and you ask them to fix it right away, it's too soon. They haven't had time away. I will edit my emails. Like I walk away and come back when I want to send an email that I, you know, it's, it's not just to a friend. I will walk away from an email, go get a drink of water, come back and reread it. Like I edit everything I write, even a text. I check it for, oh, did Siri autocorrect it to something different? You know, um, were is always weird. You know, Siri likes to cut autocorrect W-E-R-E to W-E apostrophe R-E. Um, so it's it's always good to take the time to to walk away and then come back and edit. Um, and then mom needs to have the fresh eyes to be able to see what the child can't see. So whether it is spelling, whether it is like, oh, you need to have this paragraph break here, you know, um, every writer needs an editor. Mm -hmm. And that's a good point to make sure that when you're editing, I think it's important to do that process together. Um, that it's so much more of a teamwork and, and I tend to try to talk to the child as, as that they are the writer. They are, they are writers. And did you, leave your, did you leave your reader over there at the curb? Because I think you might have. Like, or did you, did you let a pot them put their foot in a pothole? You know, and they'll kind of get that idea. And I think reading together, absolutely. Even high schoolers, I still would, I would edit together. <laughs> Not, I mean, like Sheila says, absolutely. Editing, I think, always has to be done at a different time. You, you can't just write and then edit. You, I mean, you'll catch a few things. You're not going to catch it. But to go back another day, and they can do that themselves. But then at some point, I would still say, it's like she's saying, people have editors, you know, like professional editor. It's still good to have somebody else to point those things out to you. You're not going to catch it all. If when I write something... I, I have other eyes look at it. I do. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> and I've been writing for years, but somebody else will look at it. Well, and I find, yeah, for me personally, even when I type, sometimes my fingers are so used to typing a certain word that it yes. doesn't even translate into what I was trying to say. So yeah, absolutely. I think that's yeah. important. And as my daughter has gotten older, I do a lot of the, you know, she'll assume things maybe that the reader knows, but I'm like, wait a second, if you're coming to this and you don't have that background information, we need to include that level of detail. And so that's something that we've seen as she's gotten older, like it's things like that more so than spelling and grammar and those types of things that you work with yeah. with a younger child. But how do you kind of figure out like what level that child's at and what your expectations should be for them performing certain skills. So like Sheila, you mentioned when your son started typing, his writing took off. You know, how do you know if it's a situation like that where, oh, maybe I need to have them type or maybe I need to have them handwrite this? Or how do you really figure out if your expectation is appropriate for where that child is? So I think a lot of times when I talk to par parents, they want to pick a level that is at the child's highest common denominator. So like a lot of times they will choose a level based on their re reading level because they can, you know, they may have a six-year-old who's reading chapter books. Oh, he's reading not the Nar Narnia books. I'm like, yeah, but can you write a Nar Narnia book level sentence? 
then then you need to you know break it down a little a little low lower. Um, I think part of it is just getting familiar with what your child can do. So if you're starting with kindergarten, you're start you know you're not pulling a child out of school, then you can pretty much say you're starting at the beginning. You're starting at the start starting line. They don't know their letters. They don't know their sounds. Not none of that. So that's your that's where you start. But if they're already able to read some, then are they able to write at that same level? So if you think about a first grade re reader, those are usually um, very short sen sentences, maybe some long vowel sounds, but not a whole lot of blend blending, um, large font, um, you know, three or four sentences per page, and then two pages is a, a chapter. That's, you know, that's the kind of book that is typically about a first grade re reader book. So can your child write a short sentence? Can they write multiple sentences? Like, you know, their, their writing should match what they are re reading. So if they're reading way above, but they're not writing at that level, then you need to kind of bring it down to where they're at the same le level. Um, do you have tears every time you say it's time to write? then you're probably pushing your child too, too far. Like they're not ready to write a three yeah. paragraph essay if they can't even write a one pair, a well-constructed one paragraph consisting of five sent sentences. So I think part of it is just taking um, stock of what your child can do right now and move from there. And, and it's okay if you have a 10 year old who can only write a few sen sen sentences, you start there and you build, you grow. Don't feel like, oh, we're behind. We have to cram all, all this stuff in. The other thing I did want to mention that I forgot to mention before is that I love that sunlight is not a worksheet driven curriculum, um, that we're not doing 20 sentences on finding a noun and 20 sentences on circling the adverb or whatever, because that is like, I think it's like a different side of the brain. You're not actually engaging the part of the brain that actually helps you write. It's almost like a puzzle. You're figuring out a puzzle, but you're not learning how to um, put words together to form well-constructed sent sent sentences. So we do have worksheets, but they are not, it's not a worksheet driven curriculum. So you're not gonna have pages of that every day. Um, and it's, like I said, it's a very natural progression. So the word, so the sentences that you are working from are not just arbitrary, perfectly formed sentences. You may have to do some di digging because it's actually, um, you know, a spoken word or um, a fragment because we sometimes speak in fra fragments. So, um, so keep that in mind when you are looking at the curriculum for the first time. I, I talk to people in the sunlight booth that say, well, where are the workbooks? Well, we don't have a lot of workbooks. We do, but we do carry some optional materials and I only advise them using them when you have multiple stu students that, that you need to keep busy. It is busy work. It's good busy work, but it is busy work. But sometimes you need, here, you work on this workbook while I work with this, with your brother over here, math, reading, whatever, and it keeps them busy. But do you have to have that? No, you don't. It's busy work. Yeah. Well, and also remember that in those lower grades, especially, and I, I love what Sheila said, 
about the fact that you really want to make sure that when you choose a language arts, that you're choosing the one that matches what they can write, not what they can read, because often they don't match. And you had definitely, if you don't want tears for an entire year and you'd end up frustrated and sad, then what you need to do is choose the language arts that matches their writing. And if they've come out of a school situation, there's also, remember this, that sunlight will give the child lots of different kinds of writing experiences. And if you determine that because of where your child is or what's happening in your life, if you determine that, you know what, we need more time for this. We can't, if, if the writing assignment, typically it's scheduled over like three days. Um, and, and if you can't do that and that's too much and you need more time on something, that's fine. Take two weeks, do whatever. And what you can do, you guys, is go to the scope and sequence at the back of the book and you can go, okay, well, we did this type of writing. Okay, I'm not going to do this next assignment. I'm going to, I'm going to do this one when this one comes up. So there's no tyranny for yourself of, oh my gosh, we did not do every writing assignment. That's okay. What you did was quality. You went for the time that they need to develop whatever that writing assignment was. That's what you want to do. And the other resource, well, a couple of resources I want to mention was that, especially in the lower grades, um, in the elementary years, Sunlight has the appendices, that's the language arts skills checkoff sheets. And so you can see, okay, this is what an average kid does. And that will just help you. It's not a do or die, must be happening sort of thing, but it does give you ballpark. Okay, yeah. We've, we're getting there. This is, we're on that goal or it, and it's children just like anything else are going to develop differently for different skills. And that's okay too. They may rock and roll one part of the writing and, and struggle with another part and that's okay. Then you know where to work. And that's the freedom that, that Sheila was talking about of not having workbooks. That's the beauty, the glory, the freedom of the sunlight style is that when you're pulling a child out of public school and you're like, I don't know what they know, you know, that's okay. Cause you're going to find out. And it's super, super easy in a way. It doesn't matter what the writing assignment is because a child can, will approach it or do it at the level that they are able. And you can pull them farther along. Just like I used to teach in public school. I taught K through three guess what? I gave the same writing prompt to everybody. I had taught the same material to everybody, but guess what? My, my kindergartner will draw me a picture and maybe be able to put a couple letters. <laughs> my first grader might be able to, to put a sentence. I've got second graders who are writing, you know, a few, and I had third graders who wrote me paragraphs. So it's, that's, Great, that's the beauty of this no workbook situation. The other thing I was gonna tell you is that they also include through, I think through junior, kind of junior high-ish levels, a grammar, um, grammar appendices. And I was, I was leaf, leafing through that again this morning, just trying to like, oh yeah, right, right, right. And I was like, man, <laughs> there's a lot of support, okay? I'm just gonna say that. You're not, <laughs> you're not gonna need more. And there is, I mean, if you feel like it or you have a high schooler or something like that, you can get the old writer's ink. 
um, it, it has all that grammar and it has examples of different types of writing, but that would definitely be for an older child. But if that makes you feel better, there's a good resource for you. <laughs> Yeah, so you both talked about placing kids at their writing level versus their reading level. Um, if you are not familiar, Sunlight does have all those assessments on our website um, so that if you're pulling a kid out of school and you don't really know what they know or don't know, um, that's an, a quick, easy way to kind of assess it before you order your program. Um, but let's talk a little bit about grading it. You mentioned grammar rules and things like that. What if you as the parent do not feel you know the grammar? rules or you're not a great proofreader and your kids are st starting to get a little bit older you know it's one thing to grade one sentence it's a whole other thing to grade a research paper um so how do you grade language arts assignments with sunlight and how does the sunlight instructor's guide and rubric make that easy for someone who doesn't feel that they are a strong proofreader or editor themselves well like you mentioned sunlight has the rubrics and they are, they are pretty, just whatever the assignment was, they'll have rubrics that match. Um, they'll say a few things like, did they, did they sequentially tell the story or something like that, that would be for like a younger child, but it'll just put down the basics of what the assignment was. And then you can, you can see. And one thing I would definitely do with an older child is I would actually give that rubric to them before they start writing. So they know where they're going and what their goals are is, is one thing I would do. And the other thing that, that I found if, to be honest, I learned so much of this stuff with my child. So it's no bad thing. You do not have to be, you know, queen of grammar and queen of sentence construction when you're working with a junior high or a high schooler, that's not it. It is actually probably healthier to say, ooh, something doesn't seem right. Let's look at it together and either find something in the, in the appendices that we have for the grammar rules or look it up or, and, and learn together. And I think just that idea of being, what that's increasing is the idea of being what our tagline for some, you know, being a lifelong learner, that you're interested in it too and you're partnering with your child. And I know we don't always have like all this glorious time to do these things. I understand that you're under, you're under a time crunch sometimes, but it is important to find that time, take that time and soon they'll learn to do some of those things for themselves and they'll be able to hear. But again, again, I mean, I've talked to college professors numerous times and, and read research papers and all kinds of things like that. And they will tell you the most important thing and to, to become a good writer that has, is grammar free and, and grammar error free. Um, <laughs> is well written, how about we'll say that, well written, um, is, is the reading, is the reading and hearing of, and hearing the reading out loud and to not, um, don't think that that's not important. That continues to be part of the writing process even as they're older. And so I guess I'm saying, don't, don't get all upset about those kind of grammar things. And when I'm grading, especially older kids' papers, if I'm, if I'm looking at them, I will generally, I know my child, just like you would know your child, 
And I will generally pick on one thing that I know that we want to work on. So I'm not going to do, I might say something or point it out, but that's not going to be my main thing. So if we're working on active voice, well, then I'm going to talk about active voice the whole time and that'll be our focus. And you can tell them too, if that's the, if that's your focus, just like Sheila said before, then tell them we're, we're going to go for active voice because active voice, like nothing else, powerhouses your writing and makes it strong. So that is something that I tend towards for especially high school is that active voice. So again, did I know that, you know, 20 years ago? No, I did not. I have learned it by working with my own children. Yeah, I, I was an English major in college. And I tell you, I did not have a single grammar class in college. It was all about writing about the lit literature. It was all about, you know, an analyzing and themes yeah. and all those kinds of things. So I basically relearned grant grammar when I taught my kids. Yes, I vaguely knew, you know, the parts of speech and stuff. But if you quizzed me, how many parts of speech are there? I would not have been able to give you the number eight. I would have thought there were a lot more because there's, you know, there are pieces and parts of them. Um, so I learned a lot of it right along with my kids. So I think part of it is that you are paying attention. This is not, homeschooling is not where you just hand the kid the workbook and have fun, go do it. You are involved. Um, so there are tons of notes in the language arts instructor's guide giving you definitions of what those parts of speech are. And um, so you are learning right along with them um, as much as is possible. Sunlight gives you answer keys. So there are the answer keys to like the little grammar pieces. It's called mechanics practice, but it's the grammar piece. Yeah. Um, so you will have an answer key for that. You will have an answer key for um, if there is, um, like if you do choose to do the workbooks, you will have an answer key for that. So again, you're paying attention and you're like, oh, I would have said it was there, but it's actually here, whatever. Um, so when you are teaching is, that's the best way to learn is to actually teach because you have to really know the material in order to teach it. A lot of the, um, the notes are scripted so that you can literally just read it out loud to the child as if you were speak, speaking it. So as you are re reading it, you are also hearing it and lear learning it and absorbing it. So um, we do not, in my house, we don't polish every single paper. Like Rhonda was saying, we write every day. We write a paper a week. It's different kinds of write, writing. It might be a journal entry. It could be a poem. It could be a narr narrative. It can be you know, expository. There's all kinds of write, writing. So we do not polish every single paper. I choose maybe two a quarter to polish. So when I, what I say, what I mean by that is that we go back and we rewrite it and then we go back and we rewrite it and we rewrite it. So that way we do catch every spelling error, every grammar mistake, um, you know, any transition that needs to be polished up, like we want it to be perfect, but we don't do that for every paper. Some papers, it's just, let's get these ideas, let's let them flow, let's get them down on paper and we move on. Um, so don't think that every single thing has to be completely perfect. Um, there are tools out there. If you 
did not get a good education and you do not feel like a strong writer, I have a relative who was like that. Um, there are tools. Uh, there's Grammarly. I have not had to use it because I love grammar. And in fact, I have, you know, a t-shirt that says I'm silently link correcting your gra grammar, but if that <laughs> is your thing, then you can use gra Grammarly. And if you need to pay for a subscription, that's okay. That's part of your tools, you know, in your tool, tool belt, um, you can get a tutor, someone like me who loves grammar and is happy to um, grade your child's uh, paper for a fee. So again, you're not polishing all of them. So you might choose to do six a year, 10 a year. Those are some ideas about how to um, either be the grader at home or find someone else to do that piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. For those of you watching, if you need help placing a level, you know, you can always reach out to our Sunlight Advisors. Also, if you are not a part of our Sunlight Connections community, either on Facebook or in the app, I urge you to join. It is not uncommon to see photos of here's my son who's nine years old and this is what he wrote today. Does this seem appropriate for him, you know, at this age or you know, here's my child who's in second grade. Can you read this? Does it make sense? You know, or whatever it may be. Um, so you can get feedback from other Sunlight users when you are a part of that community, as well as our mentors and advisors are in there. So you can get so many helpful hints and suggestions. And yeah, just from our Sunlight community as well to find out, you know, is this okay? Is this appropriate? Is this normal for this level? Um, and again, like we've talked about, I mean, Sunlight language arts, it's very sequential. It's built on top of skills you learn. And I have found it to be relatively simple to teach. And like you guys said, just a little bit every day and your kids do develop those writing skills in spelling and grammar and all the things that go along with writing. So I really appreciate both of you for being here and thank you so much. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunlight Connections podcast. You can also visit Sunlight Curriculum on social media, in our Sunlight app, or at sunlight.com. I am Sunny from Sunlight, reminding you to tune in next time.